Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. All right, have a seat. Come on, it's all right. We're glad that you're here. It's a good day. It's a good day to be here. Come on. Wow, man. It can't decide if it's going to be cold or not. I was outside today. It's great. It's a great day today. And you guys came to church, so give yourself a hand because I'm talking about that was the worst hand. I'm glad we all don't have low self-esteem issues. Let's do that. I felt like we were like on the golf course right there. Come on, give yourself a hand. There you go. Come on. That's good. That's good. Man, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, uh, We're going to jump in to uh, a new sermon series called One More. One More. We, We believe that God always has one more step for you. One more step. No matter if if you have been to church in a while, you haven't been to church in a while, you, you've just connected with God, here's the thing is that there is this idea that God loves any territory that you give him, but he is hoping that the seed that he plants in your life grows. Grows. When we had our kids, uh, my wife loved the baby stage. Uh, I guess she loved it so much we had four. Uh, but, uh, but the crazy thing about it is they just keep growing. They keep growing. And, and as much work as they are on the front end, uh, uh, they're e- even more. Because <laughs> uh, you got to feed them. And at least when they're young, come on, you're just like putting bottles in their mouth and you're just feeding stuff. And they may not like one or two things. Now as they get older, you, it's crazy. They don't like more and more. They have more and more to be. Here's the thing is that God's investment in your life should grow grow. It should grow. That we believe there's always one more step in your life. There's always one more mountain. There's always one more thing that God wants to do. There's always, come on, one more for you. And at the house, listen to this. We we have a passion to help people live free. In fact, uh, when you walked in, you said, okay, you, you may have looked and said, okay, the house exists to do these things. And, and we believe that if you will meet the Father, if all of us have, because we do life with people, we have areas that need forgiveness, and we have people that we need to forgive. I mean, all of us, I don't care who you are today, you've been hurt, you've been wronged, or, you know what, and it's very easy to see what everybody else does. Come on, somebody. But, but, But sometimes there's even moments when it's like, how do we forgive ourselves? And we believe that if you'll step into that moment of forgiveness, then here's the thing. On the sign it says, we want you to find freedom. Well, I feel like that's kind of like an Easter egg hunt. It's like, did I find it? Did I not find it? We don't want you to find freedom. We want you to live free. We want you to live free like every day. And here's what I have found in over uh, 24 years of ministry and about 32 years of of being a Christian uh, is that every new stage of my life has required a new surrender, a new submission, a new sacrifice, 
and out of those moments have produced wholeness. Every time I gave up a little bit, God came in. Every time I decreased, the Bible says, he began to increase. Does that make sense? And so what happened is I don't believe freedom is a class. I believe it's a journey. I believe it's a journey. And, and this is coming from someone who was adopted from a foster home. Parents got divorced, had very little relationship in seasons of my life with my dad. Had to overcome countless learning disabilities. Had to overcome many things in my life. Here's the thing is every new stage of surrender was a new stage of freedom. Every one of them. And so here's the thing is that I believe that God has one more step for you. In fact, over the 24 years of ministry, I, I've identified a few factors that I think help prevent people from moving into the more. Like there is more for you. And no matter who you are today, there is this one more step. And I think that we can even see this uh, in Ephesians. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says this, Now to him who is able to do far more, everybody say more, okay, abundantly, then we can ask or think. Now, look, looking over you, uh, I'm not judging you, but I can definitely see that we have some thinkers in the room. I can definitely, they're creative people in the room. And so I don't know about you, but uh, I can come up with a lot of questions. And if you question people, like, you know what, something happens in your family, something happens in your life, you begin to have a talk or a conversation with someone, and before you know, it has moved from questions to interrogation. You know what I'm saying? What'd you do? How was it fun? What happened? And then all of a sudden, the questions just keep coming, and they never stop, and the person that you're asking them is like, ha, time out. <laughs> I get that a lot from my wife. Uh, when, when I'm asking her, like, what her day was, she's like, I just, just ask me a question. But, but it was something happened the other day, and I was like, oh, tell me all about it. And she was like, ah. you know, like the questions never stopped. Here's what I want you to know in your relationship with the Lord. God has more for you, and he calls it abundant. And there are questions he's hoping you ask but even the questions you're thinking about asking, there's a whole nother level. What you're thinking about God, the thoughts that you're pondering about God, your future, your future plan, here is what I want you to know. Those thoughts, as deep as they are and important as they are to you, God has thoughts that are so much bigger Here's this idea that in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus understood that there is this connection between God taking you to another level and how closely you're connected to him. L look at this verse. It says, for I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in, in me, and I in him, so this is transactional. It is, here you are, here I am. When we begin to do this, when we begin to coexist, when we begin to work and do life together, when we begin a partnership, when we begin this idea of continual relationship, not compartmentalization, 
So like I will connect with God, come on, on Sunday, I may connect with God here and here and here. God is saying, no, 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 no. When you begin to abide in me and me and you and, and now we are working this thing together, here is what you can expect. You can expect to bear much fruit in your life. And, and here's the, the biggest thing that he says. Apart from me, disconnected, you can do nothing. So let's dissect what that means. You can do nothing. It's, it's not saying that you can't be a success. I think that um, uh, what happens sometimes with um, even people who grew up in the church, we begin to think about these ideas like you, no one will ever be happily married. No one will ever be a success. No one will ever be financially stable. No one will ever do great things unless you go to church. That's not what this Bible says. The Bible says that, listen, if you are disconnected from the cause of Christ and the purpose of Christ, your life at some point will end, and so will everything that you built. It will not continue to bear fruit. But if you are connected to Christ then what will happen is long after you go away, the revelations and the impartations and the things that you have done and what you've sown into the next generation, what you've given to other people, they may forget your name, but they will never forget the concepts that are beginning to change their life. Does that make sense? That revelation, that fruit, and here's the truth, is a lot of us now live in a world where people are so frustrated because I went to I went to school I got my degree I'm making money I've got all my dreams I did everything that I ever wanted and I'm still not happy like I'm still not happy Jesus wasn't naive to the importance of his presence and power being the thing that makes a huge difference in your life it's easy for us to be deceived by thinking, listen to this, attention, prestige, money, and status is what it takes to live a life, to make a life. Like all of these things are going to be the things that make us, come on, happy. This, our world pushes this idea that the ultimate goal to life is do whatever pleases you. Do whatever pleases you. Unfortunately, more have figured out than not that, that guess what? That this causes no real cure to the empty feelings that linger in our heart. And that's why we read once or twice a week, once, once or twice a month, someone who has reached the height of popularity, someone who has reached the height of the business world, someone who has seemingly, come on, the perfect life, the Instagrammable perfect life. Come on, every picture looks like a filter. And they're not happy. They're not happy and they're, 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 they're even contemplating suicide or hurt and and they're leaving thinking that the business deal was going to make it. The marriage was going to make me happy. The house was going to make me happy. Having kids was going to make me happy. All of this was going to make me happy. Look, at, And it never does. I believe that there's one more step for you. And, and here is the thought that I want to give you today. Our relationship with God should be progressive, not regressive. 
progressive. Like, like meaning, like there are so many people that I meet that had a great moment with God when they were 13 or 15 or 19 or you were in this college ministry or you served here or you did this or you went on a mission trip and when they they, they really begin to think about their spiritual life and their spiritual journey, they go back to a moment instead of looking and going, what does God want to do now? Here is this idea, and can I give it to you? I don't want a boring church. Like there was three people like, me too. <laughs> kind of tired. You, should got, oh, you all got an extra hour. Come on. Listen, you should be like amped, you know? But here's the thing is I tell this to our kids all the time that this isn't fun. I, was, I look at them when, when we do stuff, and we're like, hey, they're like, this isn't even fun. This isn't fun. I was like, that's because you're not any fun. They're like, what? what? Yeah, 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 because fun people have fun. You're either, listen, listen, in life, if the event always causes you to have fun, then you can always be broke because you need to spend money to laugh. But does that make sense? But true, the reality is we got to be able to, listen, lead ourselves, and fun people show up and bring the fun. Listen, I can have fun with a donut. I can have fun with a golf club. I can have fun just us hanging out. We can have a good time. If your Christianity, if you're going through this very dry, very boring stage, that's because God is distant. And here's what I have found out. Is on the moments when God is distant, it is not because he left us. It's because we left the next assignment. See, life and adventure and all of that is on the other side of the one more step. There is another step. Here's what God's asking me to do now. And if we don't take that one more step and we wait, well, what did we learn from the, the, the children of Israel? So, so God sent this guy named Moses to free the children of Israel so that they could enter into the next big thing that God wanted and they were too scared to make the step. So they waited. 40 years. That's a long, boring. And so here's the deal. Listen, look what happened. They finally rose a generation up that didn't want to wait any longer. And so the kids were two or three. Why can't we go over there? Well, you know, they're too big. All right. I'm fighting and sore. I'm a giant killer. I'm not a grasshopper. I'm not a grasshopper. And they grew up 10, 12, 15, 17. And finally at 19, we fixed them to go take that land. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of y'all. I want some space. Y'all all up. We like living together, all million of us. I'll, I'll come away. I need some break from y'all. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be a generation, there's going to be a remnant of people that don't want to do the same. Oh, and if you want to know my personal opinion, this is not Bible, this is my personal opinion. But if you read the facts, 4,000 churches close every year. 4,000 churches close, listen, every year. Why are they closed? Because we're bored. In America, we can do it all. We have it all. There's so many things that can keep your next attention. But here is the biggest idea is that what God wants to do through you will actually heal you.
There's another step in this and so we are looking for a progressive listen, relationship. Like, what is God doing next? What is God doing now? What are you believing God from? Here's the thing I'm asking you to lean in on. What has God been asking you to do that you have been unwilling, come on somebody, to do? Whatever it is, call your friend, forgive your dad, talk to your mom, tithe, join a life group, go to framework, talk to your neighbor. What is the next thing? Because here's the deal. It's not that Christianity is not a adventure. Adventure, it's that a lot of times we want to go through our Christian life, la, 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 and God's like, hey, I just don't hear him talking. <laughs> yup. <laughs> does, does this make sense? I, I think what the, the story that illustrates this the best is Luke chapter 18. Check, check this out. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 it says this, and the, and the ruler, so this is a story of the rich ruler, if you know that, but, but this is Jesus in a dialogue with a, a guy who has, um, he's a ruler, he's a leader, he's financially wealthy, and so here is this dialogue. And the ruler asks him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good no one is good except God alone. For you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. He said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, but one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing you still lack. Go sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. As we begin to dissect this uh, passage, um, I, this is a powerful moment. And it's also intriguing. Because uh, when I read this verse in college... I remember thinking, dang, man, Jesus, you know what I'm saying? The rich young ruler, the rich young ruler, man, he just got served. Because that's what we said when I was in college. That's what you said. That was the phrase maybe. Some of you a little older, y'all like said tubular. I don't know. But, but y'all have a phrase. Come on, be honest. How many of y'all said y'all got, at some point in your life, be honest, you said you got served. Come on, be honest. That's what I'm talking about. That was our college years. That's what we said. Here's the thing is the text is so rich in worldview, and so here is what I want you to see, is if we were to put the magnifying glass on this, there is huge spiritual truths here. The first is the rich young ruler comes up and says, good teacher, good teacher. Can I tell you, always be nervous if people start out with flattery. Have y'all learned that? Uh, anybody learn? Oh, you are so awesome. Wait for it. <laughs> if you're patting me with this hand, what's the other hand? You know, like, like in life, you kind of learn to kind of be on guard. And I think that here's what Jesus began to uncover with this rich young ruler is there's a difference between flattery and submission. See, he, here's the idea. Jesus was making a point with his rebuttal, and it, this man did not come up and give Jesus honor. See, when you read it, you think, well, he called him a good teacher. 
And then Jesus just kind of went negative. That rude. See, here, that's not what happened. This wasn't about honor. It was about flattery. And the ruler's flattery downplayed the lordship of Jesus. See, I'm going to build up your humanity, but the fact of the matter is I'm not only human. That's what Jesus was saying. There is something different about me. And so here's the deal. Jesus was not just another good teacher. He was God. Okay? Subsequently, if Jesus had been just a teacher, he wasn't worthy to be called good. So let's break down culture real quick. You may have been taught that you are basically good and culture has made you bad. And if we just remove the rap music, if we just remove every gang, if we just remove shooting and violence, then our culture would be so much happier and better. I'm going to get two babies, put them in the crib, put one toy in the middle, and ask if they have a sharing contest. They will not. Go in and get all the kids together and, and unwrap one piece of candy. Who wants it? They're all not going, give it to them, give it to them, give it to them. They're like doing the pee-pee dance in the me. Come on, you dumb. There is this idea that we are not basically good. We are basically, listen to this, selfish, sinful, and flawed. I remember the first time, we got some beautiful, we got, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not bragging. I mean, I, this church is full of beautiful kids. We got some beautiful kids. And I just remember this blonde-haired, precious little baby, baby girl, looking right at me, lying. And I'm like, what happened to you? That child did not go to law school. Mom wasn't back. Okay, let me really teach you how to deceive people. Like, it was just in them. Come on. When someone asked, where's the cookie? It wasn't me. Come on. Who taught that? In all of us, there is this, this sinful nature, and we are not basically good. But here's what society is doing. Society is perpetuating this narrative that we are all good people, and the system makes us bad. Rich people make us bad. Government makes us bad. Corporations make us bad. Here's the idea. You were never good. There is only one that's good, and it is God. Only one. And so let's just kind of all climb off our high horse because we all know that we were the one that did everything right in the conversation, and they did everything wrong. See, I, I think I'm, as we dive into this, Jesus begins to talk about the five so, so the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, if you want to look that up, Exodus 20, if you've never read the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. I do find it interesting that because we are in, an, uh, in a movement in, uh, in, in America where grace is everything. And, and so let me just say this. I believe in grace. Grace covers my sin. And I'm so glad that God loves me and forgives me and does not judge me even before I come. 
He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Come on, help me. Rest. And we are in a culture where people are trying to work 95 hours a week to get the best car, send their kids to the best schools, and have that next Instagram pic. And I want to tell you that there is rest for you. Rest. That doesn't mean we don't work, but there is rest. So here's the, here's the concept. Here's the concept. Is that, is that as we begin to dissect what Jesus is talking about, here is what he is saying. He began to talk about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are ten commandments. The first four deal with God, and the last six deal with man. Okay? Let me just read them to, off to you real quick so you know. Okay, okay. Th- going from uh, ten commandments, how many of you, when you read them, you believe that God put them in order of importance? Right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, like number one is actually number one. That's crazy. crazy. Number two is actually like number two. And so Jesus begins to deal with the lesser ones. Don't covet. Don't bear false witness. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. uh, Adultery. (laughs) uh, Don't murder and honor your father and mother. That's what he brings. Do this. He's like, I've done all that. Never done any of that. I'm good. Then he says, there is one more thing that you lack. Why one more thing? Because in Matthew, Jesus broke down the the Ten Commandments into two thoughts. Love God, love man. All of this was man stuff. All of this was relational stuff. And so Jesus began to deal with the lesser thing because the man knew he couldn't receive the most important thing. The fact of the matter is, how have you done with man? And the guy's like, I'm great. I've done it. I've kept all of those. Okay, go sell everything you have and come back. And here's the deal. That is when it all became clear that the rich young ruler did not really want to submit to Jesus, but wanted to hang out with him. Why? Because the top four are this. Look at this. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Make no idols and have no other gods. And so here's the thing. When he said, go give it all away, the identifier was, there is something else that I live for, and it's not you. Does this make sense? For all of us, here's the idea that I want you to understand, is that we are not a church that just wants to flatter God. And, and that's why you'll hear me say all the time, listen, we don't want to be a churchy church. We don't, amen, bless God, all the And we have all this insider language that, that is like flattery. Come on, we're wanting people to be submitted to the Lord because here's the deal. The, Paul said, as you decrease, he will increase in your life. Listen, I'm on a 30-year healing process. And, and it's so funny. When you're young, you think, I know it all. Come on, how many of y'all remember being young thinking, I know it all? And the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. The older I get, the more I see my brokenness. The older I get, I see how, the grace that has been on my life. Come on, somebody, does this make sense? For all of us. 
Here's the deal. As we begin to take that next step, Jesus knew that the man's wealth and position stood in the way of total commitment. The man had made the trip to see Jesus, and that was honorable. He desired to do the right thing, but he wasn't really fully committed to take that next one step. As a result, here's what happened. He passed up an opportunity for his life to be changed. He passed up an opportunity to follow Christ with his whole heart. And listen, the adventure is when you follow Christ. A Christian should not be bored. There's another thing to do. There's another assignment. There's another person to talk to. There's another witness. Listen, if you're bored, it's because you're dry. And there might be real reasons why you're dry. There may be real reasons why you stepped away from the living water. It could have been rejection or hurt or pain. And I'm, I'm not saying that all of those aren't real reasons why it causes people to back up. But I'm just saying to you, there is one next step. When we look at Peter, Peter was a, a disciple of Jesus. And when we look at the crucifixion, the moment that Jesus was handed over to the Pharisees, the religious people, and they were trying Jesus. Peter was in his one next step moment. Okay, listen to this. One next step. And so as we think about this, Peter is there. The people are trying Jesus. He is on the back row, and he has a moment. Will I step into this moment, or will I run? See, it was just like the rich young ruler. And here's the thing. I know that God will take every one of us to that moment where will we take the step or not. And all of us have that moment. As they begin to try Jesus and decide to crucify him, Peter, instead of taking that step, ran away and went home. Jesus comes back. Later, after he rose from the dead, and he says, hey, have you caught any fish? Peter jumps out of the boat, starts swimming to Jesus, and is like, oh, my God. And, then, and Jesus restores him and said, if you love me, you will feed my sheep. And here's what he does. He begins to step into that moment. See, here's the deal. The church cannot wait for moments of acts. But if they don't act, we will never see those moments. And first act is always an act of submission and surrender. The truth of the matter is, if we were there, maybe we would have run too. Maybe you've never been faced with the question. So today is a day all across the world where Christians are praying for the persecuted church. Where Christians are taking a moment and praying for all of those persecuted Christians. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to show you like a, a, a six minute and 42 second video. 
and let me set you up for this. We don't usually ever show videos, but I know that at least 70% of you watch videos, okay? <laughs> all right, all right. YouTube is around for a reason, okay? And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to watch this, and here's the thing. Just know it's going to get a little heavy, okay? It's going to get heavy, and so here's what I want you to think. I want you to think when you watch this, I want you to think, what would I do? At this point in our service, Pastor Stephen showed a video that you can find linked in the bio of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Flattery says I want to hang out with you as a person. Submission says I will change anything in my life that doesn't bring you glory. Flattery says I'm excited to walk with people who are excited about Jesus. Submission says, even if I have to walk alone, I will. And the truth of the matter is, there is no power in flattery. There is only power, come on, in submission. Is this right? Come on. And if submission wasn't hard, listen, everybody would do it. Me and my wife have been married 17 years. And for us to mutually submit to each other, <laughs> well, let's just say it hasn't been easy. And the truth of the matter is, what is that one next step that God is asking you to do? What's that next step that God is asking you to move? Is he saying, okay, it's finally time to get involved in a church. It's finally time to make that move. It's finally time to forgive that person. It's finally time to call your dad. Come on, it's finally time. Come on, it's finally like I've been talking to you, and I'm ready to move in your life. But listen, you're going to have to give up in order, listen, to move up. You're going to have to, help me now. Hey, has anybody witnessed that in their life? Come on, come on. When you you finally say, God, I give it all to you, that's when real breakthrough begins to happen. Ben, go ahead and come up. See, if we were going to really dissect this, here's what we would say, is that a lot of people have good intentions, but they're not intentional. See, the rich young ruler had good intentions, good teacher. Here I pop and circumstance, and here I am, and what do you want? You're going to ask me to go give up something I really value in order to follow you? What, what would you give up? I mean, this is all rhetorical, so just relax. Would you give up that argument? Would you give up the golf game? Would you give, what would you give up? What would you give up? Would you give up that offense? What would you give up? Because here's the deal. Every time you make a step to give something up, that one more step begins to change your life. See, I got three points real quick that I think I've learned over the last 24 years. Three, three points that I'm going to give you real quick that will help you take the next step, the next one step. The first 
is this. If you're going to take the next step in your life, you're going to have to end discouragement. For us, a little over a year ago, and many of you know this, we got into a, I was taking the kids to school the, the last week of school, me and all four kids, and we got hit head on going 50 miles an hour. I, I, I broke my wrist, ankle. I mean, I mean, it was just horrible. Many of you remember that. And in that moment, I'm sitting there in the hospital and the, the doctor at, at that first moment is, is going to live. And, and, and I had to go through, uh, you know, months and months and months of physical therapy. And my physical therapist met me after a couple weeks and he called me in and he said, you know what, I think this is your last day. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm not better. And he said, you're, you're not really making any progress. And he said, because he loved the one more. He was, I mean, he, he would say, we're going to do 12, and then we would do 13. You know, like he, you're going to run a mile. And then, and then he would say, let's run another. And I was like, ah. He was always the one more type of guy. And, and uh it was discouraged. I was super discouraged. We were almost uh, 19 months into the church plant. There were so many relationships I was doing life with. And I just got discouraged. I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I was like, how are we going to pay for this? What's the church going to What's going to happen? What's going to happen to my uh, family? Am I going to walk? Am I going to be able to do? I still got kids to raise. Come on. You know, it's just, just dealing with it. And he looked at me and he said, we are going to cancel the rest of your appointments if you don't commit. And he said, you're going to have to forget about what happened. You're going to have to forget about who did it. And you're going to have to get focused on where you're going. And I walked away from that moment super humble, super convicted. And I thought, okay. And at that moment, I decided to end discouragement. And listen to me. We all face discouragement. We all face it. And you're not going to take that next step if you can't end discouragement. Come on, you're not where you wanted to be. The marriage didn't turn out the way you wanted. You've had setbacks. You're in a place right now where y'all are arguing more than you're hugging. Come on, does that make sense? Your kids, what's going on, your health, your life, and you are just frustrated. But here is what I'm telling you. You will not move forward unless you just in discouragement and what was funny is once I made the decision to be done being discouraged I was able to move forward and so maybe you didn't know today that you have the power to end your discouragement maybe your kids grew up and they're not turning out the way you raised them and it's like oh. just end the discouragement just end it just say, God, I'm giving this to you today, and I'm no longer going to be discouraged about my past or who, what happened or what didn't happen or my timeline, and I'm just going to end, come on, discouragement right now. And just stop thinking, I can't, I'll never, it will never. The second thing is this, is that I had to, if I was going to move forward, I had to end Come on, I had to end discouragement, but I had to expect disruptions. So after that moment, I came home, I talked to Katie about it, and 
I, I wasn't cleared to drive. And so Katie and my mother-in-law, Ginger, they were the ones taking me to the uh, appo- appointments because I couldn't drive. And so I had to, they had to work out the schedule and I had to be there 45 minutes or an hour early and I had to stay late. And I'm just frustrated. Come on, anybody know about frustration? I'm just like, all right, fine, I commit. Now, oh, I'm ready to give an hour and it's taken three. Come on, you decided to make a step. I hear this so many times. Man, you know what? I gave my life to Christ and it got hard. Here's what I'm telling you. you got to expect some disruptions. How many of you have ever tried to, okay, I'm going to start changing my diet. I'm going to start eating better. And the day you decide to eat better, the very next day is when the office is like, we're doing five days of parties. Come on, everybody's bringing their favorite food. It's taco day. And you're just like. You're going to have to expect a little bit of disruption. Come on, you said yes to the Lord, and all of a sudden there was a big fight. You said yes to this, and all of a sudden something happened. Expect, come on, just a little bit of disruption. And the third is this, and I'm going to get out of your way. Is if you're going to make one more step, you're going to have to endure the distance. See, we live in a culture that wants to be there. Come on. How many of y'all secretly were mad that Popeye's ran out of the chicken sandwich? Let's just show some love. Come on. I, I'm like, y'all, y'all, you're telling me you can't make no more chicken. Come on. This is America. We don't wait for nobody. And so if we're not careful, we will feel like it's too long and too far and and, and the dream got delayed, and, and I thought we were going to be here, and I thought we were going to be there. But here is what I have learned in the last year, recuperating, running, getting some strength back. You know what? It takes a little bit of time. I can't get there in one moment. The one meeting with the therapist didn't say, oh, didn't totally make it better. I'm still in progress. I'm still working. And some of you, you're not there yet. And it's okay. You're still working on a little anger. Still working on a little unforgiveness. Still working. Still working. But you're going to have to realize that just because you're still working doesn't mean you're not working. It's okay. That's when grace comes in. And God says, listen, listen, hey, it's all right. There's a little distance to this. There's a little distance to this. You're going to be great parents. Distance. Distance. You're building something in distance. Your budget for you as we end today. I believe that there's one more step for you. Could that step be, I've been in this church now for three or four months, and I need to move, I, I need to go, and I need to jump into framework. I need to begin to start. I know God is telling me to get in community. I know that I need to get in a life group. I know that maybe it's it's tithing. Maybe God wants you to move into the obedience of really tithing and giving and testing him in that. The Bible says that's the only thing that you can really test him in. And he says if you test me, it will work. Come on, maybe God has been saying, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. Turn off Netflix. Turn off Hulu for a little bit. I want you to pray. 
and you just feel this need to want to connect with him, because that's your next one step. Maybe it is that you're supposed to get a passport this year, listen, and go to a foreign country. You're supposed to go to Belize. You're supposed to go. You're supposed to do. See, God's going to do something. And here's what I'm telling you. The next activation is when you step out of the boat and take the step. And many of us want to feel the activation before the step, but the, it doesn't happen that way. You step and then it goes. You step and then it goes. And I believe there's one more step, come on, for your life. For your life. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? And I'm not talking about really, you know, oh, they're fine. I'm talking about when every time you see their Facebook, anytime you see their gram, come on, anytime you see their text, you're like, ignore. Who do you need to forgive? One, you are one more step away from moving into all that God has for you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.